0: are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher.
1: Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals and in a much more naturey, beautiful setting um, on a screen is my friend, the one and
0: only Wayne Randolph. you always leave out your middle Wayne name. Wayne David
1: Randolph. Full disclosure, Wayne. Thanks. Um, hey, Wayne. How you doing? Hey, bud. <laughs> um,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm okay, Chris. How are you doing, dude?
1: Um, I'm also okay. What kind of uh, coffee are you drinking right now?
0: Um, it is a, a medium roast. Folgers? Uh, from a donut shop. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> Good. Hey, Wayne. Um, have you ever been to geometry class?
0: yes i i had a uh, visceral response <laughs> when you asked that question uh yes uh, yes i have
1: what what about geometry class causes visceral responses
0: um math in general is uh seems to be pretty black and white or at least the levels that i got to got in and so there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to yes. uh to equivocate in math yes <laughs> says i like equivocating
1: sometimes says the guy with the beard with birds tripping behind his head that's good is that amazing yeah. <laughs> actually like, hey, <laughs> um well um so geometry actually was also my worst math class that i ever took um oh. like it seemed like calculus clicked a little bit better than geometry i don't know if that's of normal
0: for you. Um, of but, people are rolling their eyes right now <laughs> but
1: either way so geometry um there's all these prefixes and suffixes, especially when it comes to the shapes of things. Um, so if something starts with pent, it like a pentagon. Oh yes. How many does it have? How many sides does
0: it have? Wayne? Uh, that's five, right? Wonderful. What about a triangle? Um, like the triune universe three. Yes. What about <laughs> a quadrilateral? Let's go with four, like the Wesleyan quadrilateral and see what you're doing here.
1: Yeah, what about a... This
0: so fun. Get get to it. (laughs) Uh, What about an...
1: Oh, what would I call this? An Enneagon.
0: I think it's... uh, That would be an eight-sided shape.
1: Nope. Ennea.
0: No, Ennea. Isn't Ennea an eight? Mm Mm-hmm. No, oh, 9. Dude, how stupid. <laughs> that's octo. I am so excited. I know what we're talking about and Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about it and I jumped the gun. Yeah, that's like oct is 8.
1: Yeah. So, so en- any has not So an anyagon, I uh, assume, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't do well in geometry. I assume it would be a nine-sided shape. Um, but a nine-sided figure would be called a
0: enneagram. Oh. Uh- we're being coy. That was, that was rad. That was great.
1: Hey, um, so Wayne, apparently you're you're an expert in the Enneagram, right? Isn't that how I'm a what? T- you're an expert in the Enneagram?
0: Uh no, oh. no, I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> um um. Also, when you said that, I, I think uh, like Murphy's Law just happened with our, our technology because it told me we had a poor network connection. Awesome. So even even, even my operating system knew to call the bluff. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm not an expert, but I am, I am captivated. I'm caught. I am, um, uh, I am all in. Yeah. I have started classes uh, and am training under some very, very wise teachers.
1: Yeah. And you kind of, I feel like in your leaving Christian school episode, you kind of alluded to, uh, um, your interest in the Enneagram and doing some stuff with it. Um, and so like, could you give us just like a quick window into, okay, well, what drew you to the Enneagram? Um, mm-hmm. and what has this process of learning been like for you?
0: Wow. Um, Oh gosh, Chris. Um, okay. So as, as, I've recently, uh, you know, I've, I've stated another podcast and in conversations, you know, you and I've had, um, my, my wife and I, and then kind of by default our family and then, uh, yeah, ha- have, have, been kind of stuck in a cycle of burnout, PTSD, um, and just overall like a general unhappiness with, uh, with where our, our the chapter of life that we were in, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and, um, there was a combination of two things that happened. Um, it was, uh, learning about, and just, just a little bit. So again, I don't want to pretend like I I learned all kinds of things about the brain, but learning a little bit about the brain and that one professional development we had Mm -hmm. uh, with Julie Adams, um, gave me some objective truth and reality about what, what, the brain can and cannot do mm-hmm. and that was a real aha moment for me and for my wife and for the ways that i had been critical towards her um mm-hmm. especially regarding expectations of, of what she is capable of um because of of where her brain is at And what, what i mean by that obviously my wife is a capable human being but right. um if she's in burnout and in stress and the amygdala is firing um there, there's only so much you can do when you're in fight or flight but it also has a pretty radical effect on the body if you're kind of constantly in that state um and so in learning about that and learning about uh kind of the need for i guess you'd say brain energy and kind of recharging Mm -hmm. um it was also the perfect time for me to dive deeper into the enneagram and um i I, i've read a handful of books i I listen to podcasts i have some rad talks with people but um and so I I don't know if I can actually pinpoint like a single conversation or a person or a single book that like really clicked for me with Enneagram. Um, but I can tell you once I started focusing on it and had the energy to do so, it kind of went from a fun parlor trick of, you know, talking about numbers and you're this and you're this. And, uh, -hmm. even the really arrogant, uh, trick of trying to figure out what other people are based off of their their patterns, and I say arrogant because the the enneagram reveals more about our motive mm. than like the behavior that we see, and so it's it's pretty arrogant for me to tell somebody that they're a number or I think that they're a number based off of what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, well, and I think sense? yeah, absolutely, and I think this is probably a good um, yeah. spot to like a lot of I feel like a lot of people that we talk to, and I feel like this enneagram thing is kind of becoming hotter in it is. Christian culture, and not even Christian culture, just culture. Um, it's,
0: it's, it's big in culture, but it, it is, it is found its, its way, um, uh, really into the, the church. Uh, I'll say again, um, but yeah, it's getting pretty popular. Yeah. And,
1: and I think so for the sake of the handful of listeners, or maybe it's a lot of listeners who are like, okay, what the crap is the Enneagram? What is uh, this thing? What, what are you, why are you talking about nine sided diagrams? Um, yeah, do you have yeah. like a, a favorite, um, I guess definition or explanation of the enneagram that you like to go to, or um, when someone's like, okay, so you're going to this thing in Colorado to learn about stuff, like how how do you explain it to a person who is like, wait, what's the enneagram?
0: Um, I think that the simplest thing I can say uh, overall um, would be, um, unlike other typing. Systems, mm-hmm. so a lot of us are familiar with Myers Briggs or DISC or Strengths Finder, and um, those are all good. I, I, I'm not going to put the Enneagram against those things, but those are those are typing systems, usually based off a of metric um, and heavily grounded in psychology, which is probably why we we turn to them a lot. Mm. Um, the Enneagram is is less of a typing system and more. Um, I'm I'm going to start sounding oogly boogly, but uh, <laughs> it's it's far more um, sacred hmm. uh, uh, in its approach. Um, I've heard it described as um, a sacred map of the human soul. Hmm. Um, a, sac- a sacred map of the human experience. Hmm. Um, there's actually a book called The Sacred Enneagram. Um, and I can never pronounce the guy's last name. Chris Hewitt. How do you say his last name? I say Hewitt. Cool. I'm gonna I, stick with that. Uh, yeah, Chris Hewitt. Um, he he talks about um, you know as opposed to nine different personality types. These are these are nine different ways that we have walked away from um, from God from from that um, that sacred holiness inside of us. Hmm. Uh, and conversely, then it would also be nine kind of nine ways back hmm. uh, to to the core of, of who we are.
1: Yeah, and one of the ways that I've heard actually um, Chris Hewart define it um, was that it's our ego's set of coping mm. addictions that we've wrapped around our childhood wounds so that yes. we actually don't have to tell ourselves the truth about who we really are. Perfect. That's, uh, straight,
0: from, that's straight from that book, yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, and he... Um, what I like... Okay, so not just his definition, but what I like about the Enneagram is that it's not a... It's not a metric about a static location or a static thing that you are, but rather it's, like you said, it's this path. That we can use to take away from God, um, yeah. to take away from our true selves, and it's also this path that we can use to rediscover ourselves and rediscover God and reconnect. And so, totally, I, totally, I like the and movement of with, it,
0: yeah, yes, yeah, it's very fluid. Um, it's it's riddled with nuance um, mm-hmm. because we are humans and yeah. we are riddled with nuance. Um, I think to to expand on his beautifully. <laughs> um, eloquently spoken, uh, definition. Um, we are all born into, into a reality. Um, and there are universal truths, um, all around us. And at some point in our childhood, um, and some, some teachers will refer to it as a childhood wound. Um, some will just say, Hey, at some point in your childhood, you lost sight of a universal truth. Mm. Um, uh, and, what happens is the, the brain tries to protect itself. Right. And so our coping, our coping strategies to, uh, navigate that truth that we lost sight of, um, yeah, it becomes neural pathways. It becomes the pattern. Um, I refer to mine as, as autopilot. Mm. Um, I think Ian Cron talks about that in the, in the road back to you. Mm. Um, I think he calls it autopilot as well, but, um, it's just it's the personality it's 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 the it's the actor that 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 shows up and protects us um and it's the filter by which uh, we interpret the world and relationships and communication and you know eventually you get uh you get to a point you know i'm I'm in my 40s eventually you get to a point where um you no longer need that pattern to protect a little child Mm -hmm. Uh, but that pattern is still going to be there but now it's time to learn how to take it off autopilot yeah Um, yeah and and so like in the the particular school that i'm i'm studying in it's, it's the narrative tradition the enneagram narrative tradition um which was started by dr david daniels and helen palmer um they're they're really big on on even like the language we use so like i don't say i am a seven or i am a type seven they say i lead with a seven Hmm. and the idea there is that there is there is some sort of detachment that the pattern is is nothing more than a shell Hmm. Um, but really kind of getting back to our inner self to that inner essence Hmm. Um, yeah that's that's kind of the goal. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so as I was thinking about like, okay, talking about Enneagram with you, I thought, okay, there's a lot of other podcasts who have gone through each of the numbers and like talked about each of the aspects of Mm -hmm. each of these things. And so I feel like we can almost like punt and point to like, if you want the a big, large primer on what each of these numbers is and wings and rays and all of these things, um, then yeah, there are a lot of really good resources out there, but I uh, plug a couple really quick. Yeah. Go for it. I
0: I saw, well, I saw the butt coming. I I heard your butt coming. I know you're going to add to it, but, um, yeah, the road back to you, um, podcast type, um, is it typology or type typography typology typology uh, is really good. There's another one called sleeping at last, um, who's a musician who actually, um, he partners up with Chris who wrote the sacred Enneagram, um, and he does – they do about an hour and a half podcast for each number with mm-hmm. a song included um, and talks about it. And they're, they're really, really revealing. And yeah. then um, there's another one called uh, – the heart of the enneagram hmm. and i got to meet one of the guys uh, who does that one he's a professor uh, of spiritual formation out at wake forest in north carolina um and they have a really good a shorter one about 30 minutes each one it's called the heart of the enneagram and i highly recommend that as well okay cool get awesome. to your butt <laughs> wonderful so
1: if you if you want to know more like check out those resources for sure yeah how has the enneagram been helpful and useful to you in your own personal journey well, once you find out what number you are, you're able to, like, look up the passages on the Enneagram, like, the website and stuff, and see how, like, your... What are they called? Oh. Shoot, I'm messing No, you're right. Um, like, your tendencies, hmm. and, yeah, then you can't hide from them, so you're kind of face-to-face with them. And then if you look up the tendencies <laughs> of, like, other people that, like, you're in relationships with, you can see, like, tendencies that you have together. Huh. And yeah, you can't hide from things then. <laughs> cool. The Enneagram has helped me to better understand my basic fears of being separated from certain people. Um, I think when you look at the strengths and weaknesses, especially the weaknesses, it'll help you grow and um, it may feel a little scary to read things about yourself that you don't want people to know, like, you know, your sins and stuff, but I think it helps you grow when you, um, again, how you can look at relationships with other people and their numbers and yeah. But like with our particular demographic, I I feel like as the Enneagram gains excitement and gains, I guess, notice from Christians, um, I think as teachers, particular Bible teachers, one of our first thing, at least for me, an impulse is whatever it is that I'm learning, whatever it is that like is changing my life, whatever it is that's working on me, I want to automatically then take that to the students in my class. Yes,
0: Um, (laughs) I'm still fighting that. Yes, and,
1: and a lot of... A lot of that is a really good impulse, because I feel like it's it's in our own, you say, caught not taught, at least 16 times an episode. And right. <laughs> I, I think that if if we're going to model growth, then part of modeling growth is sharing what we are growing and what we're learning. Um, yeah. However, at the same time, I feel like both of us have had experiences of like maybe oversharing our, our path oh. of growth and yep. o- overassuming that, um, that our path of growth is their path of growth. And so, with the enneagram in mind, um, I, I kind of want to talk about how do we present this to teenagers. Um, and so maybe instead of talking through the um, the all nine of the types, could we maybe let's talk about like the three instinctive centers? Um, because I feel like. those three instinctive centers of, and, and like their underlying emotions of, of shame and anger and fear, like there are things that all humans can relate to, but how do we then contextualize those things for our teenage people at where they're at in their development? So I, that was a really long exposition slash question to say, okay, let's talk about those three centers and then kind of dig into, okay, how do we do this responsibly with teenagers?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, my first response uh, is how how do we do Enneagram responsibly with teenagers? Um, I I think even your question is is good when talking about like looking towards the the three centers Mm. as opposed to getting into the individual numbers, Um, because the reality is they're still they're still forming Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of this if we were to dive right into the the type pattern with them, there's, there's a lot that maybe, um, I don't know, I say this hopefully humbly, but like might be missed on them, mm-hmm. um, until there's more brain development and more life experience. But, but the, the triads, what you're talking about is, is that's the gold, dude. Yeah. That's, that's the good stuff. So, um,
1: so maybe let's start that, at the top.
0: Yeah. So, so the top you would have the body triad and this is, um, Uh, eights nines and ones and they uh these are people who um if we talk about the three like bodies or three areas of intelligence let let me let me say that really quick so you have you have the the body part of the triad um you have the heart part of the triad and then you have the head Um, and so the the people who find them their pattern within the body triad um, these are people who are generally dealing and interpreting um, anger. Um, some will internalize it, some will externalize it, some will avoid it, um, depending on their type pattern. Um, but these are these are people who really live out of their out of their body um, and their gut. And some of them will feel very connected to that, and we'll talk even talk about it. It's it's rad to listen. Like just I have this gut feeling, and and very often they're right. Um, and so. Um, but each, I guess here's, what's kind of key to know about the three, the three things is that each, where you, where your pattern rests, each of those triads, um, when triggered, um, and our triggers are anything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it could just be thinking about an assignment. It could be seeing somebody at school. It could be seeing a family member when, when our, when we are triggered, our, our patterns will kick in. Mm -hmm. Um, and what happens and I, I love this this idea again each school kind of talks differently our, our school talks about constricted and, and unrestricted kind of life force hmm. and i love that as a bible teacher um, and thinking about ruach and thinking about this this life force um you know which is which is what the holy spirit is uh, but also in the hebrew right with ruach hmm. you, you have this idea of breath and and wind hmm. and um, and so when, when triggered somebody in the, uh, the body triad, what can happen is, is the pattern itself like hijacks that energy. Mm. And if you can think about it getting constricted into, so for the body, it's usually going to be down into the gut. And it's, it's, I, I mean, I've heard different number of patterns, uh, people refer to it like they, they can, they can feel this like kinetic energy that just wants to get out in their gut. Um, mm. uh, but their, their type pattern will will have it come out differently. Okay. So what but does that, it, what does that mean by the gut? Like the gut, that this is the body. Like if you're, if you're sitting in a chair right now, listening to this and you just sit up and if you take your hands and just kind of rest them on your, on your belly, um, just kind of that lower, um, even, even the lower part of your, of your stomach down closer to your navel, like just, just this, this, this deep kind of center of, 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 of body awareness. Hmm. Um, now I keep saying awareness, but usually when the type pattern kicks on, it's at the expense of any sort of awareness, mm. um, and, it, and it hijacks and constricts that energy. Mm. Um, and so what happens is all the all the energy will go down there, and then the body will will try to figure out what to do with it. Mm. Um, the heart centers um, they are they are going to be when triggered; they are going to get. Um, hijacked by their by their number the mm. energy gets gets hijacked and it gets constricted in 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 the heart and the in the emotion mm. uh if you will um and then for for the head types and this is this is where i find myself um the energy gets gets pulled up into the mind and so as soon as i'm triggered i'm, I'm finding out chris i deal with anxiety i told you that earlier mm. when i get triggered it's like my mind goes a hundred miles a minute and it's trying to find escape routes um, but it comes at the expense of maybe my my emotional intelligence, my heart mm-hmm. intelligence, or my body intelligence, and mm-hmm. so I don't listen to my body, or I don't listen, and so one of the ideas uh, within uh, within the enneagram is like, okay, cool, so you you figured out your number, your type pattern, but like, what do you do with it now? And one of the goals, really, and I I see this especially as Christ followers, one of the goals is to figure out how to uh, be aware and notice those triggers when they happen so that my head center is not pulling all that energy up Mm -hmm. um and then i'm getting you know tense in my body or i'm I'm reacting certain ways um and and where my mind goes with that is is within the shema um this idea of loving the lord our god with all of our hearts all of our mind and all of our strength like Mm -hmm. learning how to keep those those three areas of intelligence open and unrestricted so that um his spirit can flow kind of in and yeah. out of me like the concept is like being a conduit which is something i've i have talked about at length before learning about the enneagram is how we need to be conduits of that which we receive from god so that it can flow through us to other people and the enneagram makes it a lot um like that map that it hands you it makes it a lot more understandable so you can see where the dams get built if you will mm-hmm. for that that life the energy to flow through us yeah sounds real hippie doesn't it <laughs>
1: Life force <laughs> and uh, flow and all these things, but but really, I think even I mean even if we want to put like a hippie label on all of that i think that it still resonates with all of our human experience that like there are things that set us off and either send us into our mind playing unique mind games and like those mind games can look differently it can be like straight up worry it It could be coping by like trying to run away um from it run
0: away trying to figure out all the options trying to figure out everything bad that can happen so that you can be one step ahead of it right and and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and
1: even with the heart space, um, I know that there's like some people, like what they do in their hearts is either they like go crazy with that emotion um, and like yeah. embrace and identify with it and others just completely repress it Um, and others yeah. will externalize it onto other people. So I think it's yeah. uh, what one of the beauties of what the Enneagram does and hopefully what it does for teenagers if we talk to them about some of this stuff is that there isn't just one there's not just one emotion there's not just one motive that people have and also within those motives people live in and react and manifest them differently which i feel like within christian culture sometimes it's really easy to like default to one sort of emotion and be like well you know we're all afraid sometimes and so like i'll hear that in sermons and then like for me and i feel like a good chunk of people were like no like fear doesn't drive like that's not a like that's not right. the thing, but it it's like, really right, exactly. Or you'll hear another sermon about like something else, but realizing that no human, human reality or human lived experiences, it's diverse and it has all this nuance to it. And I feel like it, it, it can shine light on that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And actually you're, you're getting to one of the, I think most beautiful byproducts of it is as, as you begin to see your own triggers and you see how you can go into autopilot, right, which is just totally reacting. And a lot of us are, you know, unfortunately a lot of us are in constant kind of reaction mode mm-hmm. um but it makes me think of the verse again this idea of like be still and know that i'm god like there's something about sitting with those emotions i um, not trying to figure everything out but just literally just sitting and starting building the awareness like oh okay there's there's tension in my chest mm-hmm. right there oh there's okay i feel a tingling going on in 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 my in my chest or I have this burning in my stomach or um, my wife was I was asking her about it and she's, she experiences up up in her head like the actual sensation and there's something about just sensing that mm. and sitting with it and, and recognizing it and being still well you, you can you can allow space and you can allow space for um, what I believe is, is the Holy Spirit to come in and, and actually impart some wisdom um, but in doing that you start to have a lot more compassion for yourself. Like, oh, okay, this, this is why I react this way. Okay, well, all right, I'm going to try to kind of get those reins back. Um, but what happens uh, beautifully is that as you start to get that self-awareness and compassion for self, it's almost immediately followed by compassion and awareness for others. Mm. Uh, and I think building that into um, these young men and women that we're, we're blessed and honored to have in, in our classrooms um, building self-awareness um, and compassion for self and others and using this as a tool. Um, that's been one of the most beautiful byproducts that I've experienced mm-hmm. so far using the Enneagram.
1: Yeah. And what about, so um, each of these instinctive or these centers um, uh, or I guess spaces has like I've heard that there's these underlying emotions like earlier I mentioned anger or yeah. fear or shame um using the enneagram how would you, how would you approach like navigating that with with students or even like, like either bringing it up or like talking about it or counseling or directing how would you how would you approach those different things with a student like who who you maybe they or you maybe have effectively either typed themselves or uh-huh. figured out like what it is that they struggle with, what's their egos coping mechanism? How, how do you navigate those emotions with a, with a
0: student? Oh, wow. Um, well, since, since I haven't really had an opportunity to do that yet, um, after this, this training that I've, I've begun, you know, I'm still, (laughs) I'm still in training. Um, I think, man, Chris, I think a lot of the stuff that we, that we have been doing and talking through, like, you know, asking the good questions, like very, very question based, um, one of the things about the enneagram um, that is so sacred is that it, it's it's its own. You're we're each on our own journey, like like we're we're each on that path to self-discovery. And you mentioned that at the beginning of this, um, and so I think if a student was is was willing and wanting to use the enneagram as a tool, um, I think we just you kind of just explore it. Uh, and so there's there's a mantra actually that last um, podcast that I plugged, the heart of the enneagram there's a mantra they use that talks about having a curious mind and an open heart and a fully present and grounded body. Um, mm. and so I, I think, I think to come at it with curiosity and, um, so let's say fear, for example, I'll start with that one. Cause that's, that's the triad I find myself in. Um, I think it's less about trying to be Freud or any other psychologist and like, let's, let's get to the childhood wound. Let's get like, but let's just explore, Fear, and so it starts with like, how does it manifest in your life, um, and and you know what what have you noticed? Um, because the awareness portion of this, um, that's actually where the new neural pathways can be formed. Mm. And so just just in noticing the triggers, and noticing, um, and being curious about my body's physiological response to a fearful situation, whatever that may be for for the individual, um, just just sitting and being aware of what it does in the body and by sitting and being aware i don't mean okay i have tension in my chest and then my mind starts to race to all the different possibilities of why that could be there yeah it literally is just sitting and creating space to notice notice those feelings and what you're doing that uh, one of one of my teachers um and she's a expert in in trauma um therapy and, and is a licensed therapist and does emdr and all these things she equated it to like our type patterns it's like going screaming down the freeway on autopilot, uh, like 120 miles an hour. And when we get triggered, and that, that's what that thing does. It just, it just. That's what that thing does. That's what that thing does. It just goes. Uh, and the idea of sitting and saying, "Okay, hey, I'm experiencing this this sensation in my chest right now." It's it's kind of like like your um, your GPS system saying, "Hey, there's there's an exit coming up," but it's like 80 feet away and it's a dirt road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is gonna cause all kinds of chaos. Um, but literally just sitting and being aware, you are you are letting your brain know there are there are other options. Mm-hmm. There there are new neural pathways that can be formed. And so I, I I can't say enough about mindfulness, practicing being in the moment. Um that's 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 where God seems to meet us yeah. is when we are still and in, in the moment and and so practicing that awareness and mindfulness, and just recognizing, and so I, I think I would start there with kids. Is like let's let's really unpack this, as opposed to, what is it? Let's fix it. Here's the three simple steps. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of long winded, but um, I, I can tell you, Chris, for me personally, the last six months, the greatest gift um, from the enneagram so far has been um, being handed the tools and being equipped um, to. To be present, to mm. be, to be right in the moment well, because that, my mind, when triggered, my mind goes to the future and goes nuts and you've, you've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the
1: things I wanted to ask you is I, I feel like even the, the concept of be present, make space, um, yeah. be aware, like all of these things are, they almost seem like the, the effect of like engaging in some sort of practice. And so what are like some of those like tangible practices that can help us yeah. like turn off the autopilot or like oh, kick, kick that GPS on. And then like, yeah. then so that we can maybe share those things with our students because when, by the time they get to us and they're talking to us at like discipleship at lunch or they're sending right. us an email, like the moment has passed and they've already wreaked whatever havoc they have be- because of autopilot. So what, right. what are some of those practices that they can actually employ to
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep on, on making awareness the mantra. And so even, even as a kid is, is sitting with us and talking and maybe they're reliving a story from earlier in the morning or over the weekend, um, you will see it. If you're, if you're a keen enough observer, um, you will see it on them. You'll see, You'll hear a shortness of breath, or you'll see their body tense up, or you know you might see the emotion start to well in the form of tears in the eyes, or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And as they're talking, um, literally, and this this is you know this is where um, it might be a little funky at first, but is just to to stop and say, okay, hey, let's let's stop there really quick. So I noticed when you said this, I noticed something something came over you, right, or mm-hmm. or, or whatever that may be let's just stop there for a second. And so this is where you just ask people to maybe stop. Uh, maybe that helps them to close their eyes and take a few breaths and um, not in the way that we see like on TV where someone's getting all mad and you're like, dude, take a breath. But yeah. there's, there's so much science behind it. Right. We, we learned that from Julie as well with the brain. Hmm. Um, but what you can do is you can take your center of your, your focus of attention and you can follow the breath. Hmm. Um, and Helen Palmer, um, one of the teachers of the school I'm at, she, she was often saying like there, there's only there's only this breath right now there's only this moment there really is not the future is not known yet in and the past will just jack us up as well if we if we let our minds go there but just focus your attention on this breath right now and again as a follower of christ like what better thing to focus on than that very first gift that we see mm-hmm. in in the story in genesis that he, he breathed this this life giving essence to us mm-hmm. and so to just just to breathe for a second. And then one of the things that the teachers do, and I'm learning to do is um, to literally to be aware of the sensation. So you might ask like, so what are you feeling right now? Or what are you sensing in your body right now? Or can you point to it? Because our minds will want to rationalize it, right? That's the culture we live in. So we might say, well, I'm feeling this because of because this kid threw something at me yesterday. Well, no, what are you actually feeling in your body? What are you sensing? And so they might talk about their chest being constricted or they mm-hmm. might feel tense in their shoulders and you can just ask them like to point to it and just sit with it. We're, we're literally just asking people to be to be aware of it and to notice because at the again, at the brain level, we are telling the brain there is another pathway that could be formed here. I don't mm-hmm. have to jump into my reaction mode. And so literally just <laughs> like making that space and I'm gonna call it sacred, making it a sacred space and inviting, um, you know, inviting the Ruach, the life force, the Holy Spirit, that breath into that moment to give us pause. Um, and then what you'll find out inevitably um, is within 5, 10, 15 seconds, maybe it's a minute for some people. It depends on how, how deep the trigger. You can sit with that emotion. You can sit with that sensation, I should say. And eventually there will be space and you'll feel lighter and you can breathe heavier. And you can you can actually watch it and witness it on somebody like like, wow, that burden just kind of was lifted off of mm-hmm. me. And so I, I think the most tangible thing, back to the question, the most tangible thing we can give people is awareness. And I think I think following the breath, being, being fully present with the breath, mm-hmm. uh, something really, really important.
1: Yeah, and I think as um, either like mentors or teachers, I think also being aware of what those what a triggered student looks like i feel like triggered is such a uh, i don't know it's, yeah, it's, it's such tr- a word it's a
0: funky term yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: but either way like um because everybody's triggers are different for some it's like you see yeah. them welling up for others you see them like laughing uncomfortably um, oh, f- for you've others watched- <laughs> for others like you'll see their jaw tense up or um that deep breath that takes like you can feel it like stopping as they exhale um yes. like recognizing those things. And like, for me, usually the challenge is like being gutsy enough to say, I noticed that you're laughing uncomfortably, like, Mm. like what's going on there? Um, or I noticed that you got really avoidant all of a sudden, or you stopped breathing or like noticing these things.
0: Uh, yeah. and, And literally just asking them and just having them sit with it. Maybe, maybe, you know, even the little disclaimer, like I don't need you to answer me right away. I just want you to sit and notice it, right? Yeah. What's going on inside? Like what what are you sensing somewhere? Mm-hmm. Because that laughter, that breath, that tear, that's something is being triggered in the nervous system, right? And 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 that 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 trigger makes the pattern go and Mm -hmm. the pattern comes with all kinds of blind spots and defense mechanisms and like, mine is rationalization. Mm -hmm. That's my defense mechanism. Again, you've been around me as you, you start to, (laughs) you start immediately start to reframe everything Mm -hmm. and start, but, but to sit there before the reframing, Mm -hmm. to sit there before the, the repression, right? Right. To sit there, like that, that is the first step.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that at first it seems weird, like talking about spiritual practices and I feel like we're talking about the body a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. but John Ortberg, um, has this book soul keeper. Um, and in it, it, it's all about, he really is just analyzing Dallas Willard's work from renovation of the heart and his own experiences, but like the human soul. Like, is the body and the heart and the mind? Like, it's not like that there's a human soul inside the body somewhere, or there's a human soul that works with the heart, but the human soul is each of those things. And I feel like one of the tasks of finding health is reintegrating the soul. It's allow- oh. allowing the heart and the mind and the body to all be on the same page. And by saying things like, hey, you took a weird breath there, it allows yeah. the mind to act like actually look at the body and be like hey we're to working together yeah we're working to have together the on curious
0: this. mind as it is as it's investigating the body right mm-hmm. yeah and and the body needs to be fully present and grounded so that it can in- listen to what the the head is saying right right and the heart has to be open right because if it's like, and so that's kind of back to that mantra yeah and that that that's that's the unrestricted that's the goal mm-hmm. is the un is the unrestricted ability for the holy spirit to, for that life force to flow through us yeah Awesome.
1: Yeah. So okay, now um maybe we'll switch gears. This one last question I wanted to kind of dig into you with is um you're familiar with Richard Rohr's um idea actually I think he got it um from from Jung about this idea of first and second half of life. Um yes. he talks about a lot in his book Falling Upward. Um but Which
0: I've yet to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz well, I'm still falling. That's
1: funny. Um well the one of the things I wonder though is like if the If the Enneagram is about these ego fixations and or ego, I guess, ego coping mechanisms and strategies, um, there's a part of me that wonders is, is the building of that ego, the building of these false personalities, the creation of this false self, is it? is it necessary? Like, cause when I think that maybe that's one of the things that gives me pause in working with teenagers on this stuff is like, am I having them skip the first half of life? Um, and trying to circumvent the system? Like, should I let them build their terrible constructs of who they are so that later when the time is right, they can deconstruct them better. Are, are we robbing them of something by potentially trying to pick apart their egos before they're fully formed or yes. Awesome. <laughs>
0: Yes. When it was kind of what I was saying before, yeah. right? And, and so if you go back even to um, kind of what I was saying there with like equipping them with awareness, mm. um, if, if we can teach them self-awareness and hopefully other things that we're teaching them in the class, you know, critical thinking and mm. <laughs> logic, and um, if we can teach self-awareness and they can be aware... Uh, it's kind of a rough question. But if, if, they, if they can be if they can have some sort of awareness, um, that there is a, there is a type pattern that we all use, um, right to, to navigate the world. And we call that our personality. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we can, if we can, if we can increase their awareness, um, that one, your personality is not who you are at your core. Um, we've done in the class a few times with Dr. Coe's, um, from the institute for spiritual formation at biola um his prayer of recollection and he has this you know real beautiful type of kind of centering type prayer where you just you cast off these false selves these false identities at my core i'm not i'm not a jock right at my core i'm not the nerd i'm not whatever whatever the simple stereotypes at my core i am made for unity with the divine Hmm. and that 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 prayer resonates to me with resonates with me uh, in regarding the enneagram um, again, these numbers, these are patterns. They are they are shells, but they're not my true essence. They're mm-hmm. not who I am at my core. Um, for a teenager to to grasp that in all three of those intelligence areas might be really hard. Yeah. Right. But if they can at least in their mind have an understanding um, that maybe maybe I'm not tied to this personality type, this isn't who I am, Mm -hmm. Uh, this isn't the extent of who I am, and we can teach some of that awareness, I think then those tools um, can be hopefully grown Mm -hmm. as they leave our classrooms and go into the rest of life, and when they hit 44 and find themselves teaching in a theology classroom and have a (laughs) breakdown— (laughs) then hopefully those those tools they can they can clean off the rust and and use them so i i would i would stick more with the awareness Mm. um with with teenagers um being aware of of their own kind of patterns and teaching them how to self-observe um without self-observing i mean how then then you literally are on autopilot you're you're just and it's just the pattern and it it will run Mm -hmm. (laughs) Trust me, the pattern will, will go and it will go into auto drive.
1: Yeah. And that pattern, I guess that self-observation, um, I think it, it's not like people in the first half of life or in the phase of ego construction don't have the ability to self-observe. It's just that that tool grows. And then um, uh, like Shrek, we, we peel off layers of the onion, right? Um, and we yeah. realize that um, we thought we were observing our true selves, but we were really observing layer three. Um, and uh, and, there's 16 other layers under that.
0: Oh, and it just keeps going. Right. And, but with that awareness, again, there's, there's self-compassion, right? How, how often do we have kids come into our, into our classes at lunch and want to talk to us and they're, they're facing a crisis or they're depressed or it's like the end of the world. And so much of it is just because they're listening to that inner critic that tells them they're a piece of crap Mm -hmm. or they're never going to be able to change or so just making self-awareness and self-compassion, um, being able to give yourself a little pat on the back and say, Hey, you did your best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think those things go much further. And I think this is stuff you and I were doing, Chris, even before we had any language, these were things that we were at least attempting to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and helping kids navigate. Cause he, the reality is they're, they're going to fall. The reality is they're going to build egos and they're going to get smashed. They're going to get humbled. It's just, it's inevitable. Right. Hopefully. Well, hopefully yeah. it's inevitable.
1: Awesome. Well thanks but I I feel like um in a lot of your talking Wayne you um it's cool that you're not an arrogant jerk um but you say things like I'm still learning, I don't know, I'm not an expert. Oh, wait, and with that I I totally acknowledge that yes you're in process and you're learning things, but I also don't want to discount the fact that um your story is powerful um and that it helps people grow and understand God more. Um, And that you do know a lot of things and you have a lot of life experience. And even though your journey with the Enneagram is maybe only like three or four years old, the depth of your, I guess, experiential learning of it um, is good. And so that being said... Um, how, if someone's like, I need more of this from Wayne, um, how do they get in contact with you? Are there like events they can sign up for? Is there a way that they can, um, uh, like contact you if they want you to come speak or like even just meet with them? Like, what does that, what does that look like?
0: I wasn't even thinking about that. Thank you so much. Um, uh, well we are in the process of getting our nonprofit uh, up and started off off the ground and uh, made some really good headway on uh, giving Tuesday. Um, the website should be up in the next week or so um, and that will be uh, down to the root. ORG. Um, and and
1: this the release date for this will probably be a week from now anyway so your website oh, perfect so might hopefully be up anyway. hopefully
0: it'll be up and running if not I'll get ahead of you get a hold of you ahead of time and we'll edit that out but um, you can you can reach me at my personal email which is uh, my full name Wayne Randolph the number 74 at gmail.com um, and yeah we'll put some stuff up on the website and links but we're doing a a, an event like a recharge weekend event with um julie adams and she's gonna do some brain health i got someone coming in that's gonna do some somatic some body work and then i'm hoping to do a little bit of the spiritual side on it, a little bit of enneagram um and then eventually um when my classes are done i I, i'm hoping to be done by august um but um i want to take my time because it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's i'm still marinating a lot but um, ideally I would be able to, to do like small group, um, potentially individual stuff, but small group. Um, like when people want to come and get more equipped, I want to avoid the word counseling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, um, because that, that's, again, that kind of feels like a rival. Um, but more equipping saying like, like kind of like a mad scientist, like, Hey, here's what's working for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to pass that on to you. Um, and so, yeah, I'm available for those kind of things. If people want to sit and chat, if they want to shoot me an email, they can hit us up here. So yeah, and and again, in the next few weeks, uh, I'd love to do this again. In the next few weeks, I, I can have a lot more information for that.
1: Sounds good. So, um, Wayne Randolph seventy four at gmail dot com. Um, wait, what's the website called?
0: Uh, it, the organization is to the root, to the and root. Uh, that was that was taken. Awesome. So for a website. So we're going with, um, down to the root.org. down to the And yeah. I,
1: there's so also the temporary, definitely. there's also the temporary page up the Randolph, family.org, oh, Randolph
0: up. family.org. Yeah. And that has a little bit of our backstory and that was, that was specifically put up. Um, if people want to know more of the story or, um, throw some donations our way, we actually have, uh, uh, a a, kind of an angel who's doing some matching donations right now. So we got a goal to the end of the year to raise five grand and they'll match up to five grand. Awesome. So if anybody is interested and wants to help out a little bit we're we've, uh, we've raised uh, about $3,200 and, uh, Randolph is a place where you can get a little bit more information, but you can for sure get my contact info there as well.
1: Awesome. Um, and how do they, how do people sign up for this weekend with julie adams do they just email it will, you
0: it will be yeah people can email it's going to be limited in size i rented a, a, a little yoga studio in topanga canyon a awesome. little little hippie spot but it's just our first one we're just kind of like just trying to see how this thing's going to work and then we want to start doing like larger like events more like seminar-ish um workshops kind of stuff okay um, but yeah they can they can shoot me an email for that as well wonderful
1: all right thanks wayne thanks, for sharing your insight and your experience with us Awesome. I look
0: forward to uh, the next time we get to do this, bud. I miss you. You too. Peace. Uh,